You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Isaiah had told Hezekiah to pray, to to go before the Lord, to take these and look at the Lord and see what the Lord would say. And Hezekiah did these things and and he prayed to the Lord. You are God alone. There is none before you. You are the God of Israel. You're the one who dwells between the cherubim. And we talked about that, how the Lord dwelt between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant, how the Lord came down and appeared there to the whole priest in the Holy of Holies. When we pray, God listens. You don't ever need to doubt that. As Pastor Dave continues our study in the book of 2 Kings, we'll be reminded of that in the faithful prayer of Hezekiah. No matter how the odds may be stacked against you, God is faithful to listen, and His will is going to triumph in the end. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 19 as he begins his message, Because Hezekiah Prayed. Second Kings 19, verses 20 through 37 tonight. So a little history of where we've been in Second Kings. Shennacherib, the king of Assyria, wanted to capture all of the southern kingdom of Judah. He had already taken the fortified cities, and now he set his sights on Jerusalem, the capital. And if Jerusalem fell, well, then he would have conquered the entire kingdom. Remember from our earlier studies in 2 King, the northern kingdom of Israel had already been carried away to Assyria. And now, Shennacherib, the new king, was getting a little greedy and he saw an opportunity here that he wanted to take away this kingdom as well. So he sends three officials, we call them the negotiators, to Jerusalem. They entered the city unopposed with a very huge army. And they came and they stood by the aqueduct. And this was very scary to those living there because the aqueduct was their main water supply. And had they captured the aqueduct and held it and lay siege to the city, well, then there was no way the city could have held out for much time. These three negotiators all with strange names, and I want to read their names again because I I like saying them. The Tartan, the Rabsaris, and the Rabshika, Manny, Moe, and Jack. I don't know. There were were three guys who were the negotiators who came, and it seemed like the Rabshika did all the talking. But they came and they asked the king to surrender. They asked the king's men. Actually, Hezekiah sent out some men to greet them. And they said, you had no chance against this superior army. They told these men, don't let Hezekiah trick you into trusting in the Lord God Jehovah. Because guess what? He sent us here to conquer you. It was a half truth. He was basically saying that Judah had fallen into such sin that the Lord God Jehovah was chastising them and causing them this grief. But these three men 
blaspheme the God of Israel. They were saying that the God, Lord God Jehovah was powerless. He was a powerless God, just as all the other idols of the other nations. They compared the Lord God Jehovah to the idols of other nations. Hezekiah's men were so begrieved by this. They were so helpless before the Lord God that they tore their clothes in disgust. And they told King Hezekiah all that the negotiators had demanded. And this broke Hezekiah's heart. He too tore his clothes in disgust. But how could anyone be so arrogant as to blaspheme the name of the Lord? How dare the Rabshika re reproach the one true living God, daring to associate him with dead idols of the other nations? And as I said, Hezekiah tore his clothes in disgust and humbled himself before the Lord. And last week, as we studied, Hezekiah took his worries to the house of the Lord. He took his cares to the Lord, and he, and he cast his cares on the Lord. For he knew whence cometh his help. Hezekiah trusted in the one true God of Israel. Hezekiah put all his faith in the Lord God Jehovah. He believed that God would tend to his prayers. He believed that God would deliver the kingdom of Judah from the hands of the Assyrian army and the Assyrian king. So he comes to the house and he sends messengers to seek out the prophet Isaiah. Hezekiah prayed and asked the Lord for direction and guidance. And he sent these officials to the prophet Isaiah, hoping that Isaiah would seek the Lord and then would be able to tell Hezekiah that the Lord was coming with help. Hezekiah sent back, word, sent back word from the Lord, telling, excuse me, Isaiah sent back word from the Lord to Hezekiah, telling him not to be afraid, that the word would, Lord would intervene for the kingdom, and he would deal with Shennacherib. But the Assyrian king wouldn't relent. He kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. He continued to press Hezekiah to surrender. The Rabshika then sends letters with messengers and says, don't let your God deceive you. Have the other gods of the nations delivered them? And once more, the Rabshika blasphemes the one true living God. What does Hezekiah do? He takes these letters and he goes into the house of the Lord and he spreads them out before the Lord. He casts all his cares on the Lord, knowing that the Lord cared for him. And he humbles himself. He humbles himself before the Lord and he lifts this time up into prayer. And let's read 2 Kings 19, verses 15 through 19. We'll read Hezekiah's prayer. Actually, I'm going to begin with 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdom of the earth. You have made the heaven and the earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Shennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands. 
and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand, and all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Last week we studied this prayer in length. We studied how Isaiah had told Hezekiah, to pray, to, to go before the Lord, to take these and look at the Lord and see what the Lord would say. And Hezekiah did these things and he, and he prayed to the Lord. You are God alone. There is none before you. You are the God of Israel. You're the one who dwells between the cherubim. And we talked about that, how the Lord dwelt between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. How the Lord came down and appeared there to the whole priest in the Holy of Holies. He was praying against Shennacherib and against the Assyrians. And he humbled himself before the Lord in prayer. And he bowed down before him. And he knowed, Lord, you can help us and only you can help us. And this was a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Only you can save us. And so Hezekiah prayed. And he prayed earnestly. He prayed faithfully. He prayed believing that God would help him. Now, as we look in verse 20. We see the Lord responds to Hezekiah's prayer. Look at verse 20. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Shennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Man, I love this verse. I love this verse. Because you have prayed, Hezekiah, because you have prayed to me, and you have come against Shennacherib, the king of Assyria, and you have asked me to help. I've heard you. I love this. So the entire remaining verses in chapter 19, we find this glorious answer to Hezekiah's prayer. How God answers Hezekiah in his time of need. And I've called this study, Because Hezekiah Prayed. Because Hezekiah Prayed, all this is about to take place. All this is about to happen as God answers his prayer. So I guess the first question we have to look at is what would have happened had he not prayed? Well, what would have happened had Hezekiah not prayed? Well, surely God is able to do anything he wants and is, nothing's impossible for him. We sang about that just a little while ago. But would he have intervened? We're not sure. We don't know what would have happened. We're only left to think that if no answer came, or if he didn't answer the prayer, then Jerusalem would have been conquered at that time. We don't know. But what we see here is Hezekiah's prayer really mattered to God. It really mattered that Hezekiah prayed. Faithfully, Hezekiah prayed, and faithfully, God answered. And I'm here to tell you today, brothers and sisters, our prayers matter to God. Our prayers really matter to him, and he has given us this beautiful right, a right, it is a right and a privilege to pray to him, to ask God. He's given us this beautiful thing, to, anything, to ask him whatever we want, to what we need, how we want, in a time of trouble, to have him come and answer us, to lay our concerns at his feet, to lay our troubles, to lay our afflictions, all that is troubling us, to come to him and pray and ask for his help. He wants his children to do that. In fact, a scripture that we use a lot because it's so powerful can be found in, in Hebrews 4, in Hebrews 4, 16. 
We're told, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wow, what a beautiful scripture. Let us come boldly to the throne. We've been given a right and a privilege to go boldly before the God, the creator of the universe, and petition him for help. Ask him to help on our need. And I approach him on the basis of his grace and his mercy towards me. Not on my works or not on my deserving. I approach God based on his goodness. I approach him based on his grace towards me and I can come boldly. And I can always receive the help I need. I can find grace in my time of need. Because I'm coming to God at his invitation as a father asking the son to come and ask for help. And the father acts accordingly. Now, unfortunately, in our minds, we have the concept of reward for goodness and reward for good works that we carry all the way from childhood. I mean, how many times were you told if you eat all of your dinner, you can have dessert? If you are good today, you can have ice cream on the way home. If you're not good, Santa Claus won't come to visit you because he has a list of who's naughty and who's nice. So from childhood, we've been conditioned to this reward versus for good behavior. And what we do is we take it to God. We take it to God and we say, okay, Lord, I've been good today. You're going to answer my prayer. I've spent some time in your word. You're going to do what I want you to do now. But it's hard for us to think in terms of grace because we really truly don't understand God's grace. It's important that we come to God by virtue of his grace and not by virtue of my merit or my goodness or my works, which is the filthy rags, the prophet said. Because if I come by my virtue, if I come by my goodness, most of the time I can't come. If I come by his grace, I can come anytime I need to. If I come by the virtue of my deserving, I should get almost nothing because I'm deserving of nothing but hell. I'm deserving nothing but of death. But if I come on the basis of his grace, his arms are wide open. Everything and anything that I might need, it's there richly, freely bestowed upon me because of his great and vast love for me. He's merciful and gracious and loving. He's compassionate. He's, he's the God who knows my needs. He knows my weaknesses and he sympathizes and empathizes with me and empathizes for me. The scripture tells us he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever dream or ask or acknowledge or even think. I paraphrase terribly. So how are we going to approach God? How are we going to approach God? On the basis of your goodness? On the basis of your efforts? On the basis of your work? Or are you going to approach God on the basis of the finished work on the cross of Jesus Christ? That's how we should approach God, by the finished work on the cross of Christ. So here I am resting in him tonight because I'm not resting in myself. I'm not resting in my righteousness, but I'm resting in the finished work that Jesus did on the cross for me. So I can come tonight to God not based on my good works, not based on anything that I deserve, but I come to him because of his love and because of his mercy and because of his grace. And he's allowed me to come. He has invited me to come. He's invited me to come. 
I've been invited to receive his grace through Jesus Christ. And if I just believe in him and trust in him and hope in him and give my life to him, and even though I don't deserve to be blessed, I don't deserve anything but hell, and I'm the least bit worthy of it, he doles that out on me. Like a father doting over his son and lavishing his son with great gifts. He gives to me liberally and graciously. And I believe and I trust God, so he blesses me. And as he does, because the blessings are always predicated upon faith, and I believe. And he just blesses me abundantly. The lack of blessings doesn't come from your lack of devotions. It comes from your lack of faith. Not believing that he can. See, many times we believe that God can, but I don't think we believe he will. We believe he can, but do we believe he will? I haven't been faithful in my devotions this week. I really can't ask him to help me. And I failed again. There's no use in asking me anything because I didn't come to him. I didn't study the word. You know, we set ourselves up for these failures all the time. We become very legalistic with ourselves and say, I have to, I have to study hours upon hours a day so that God will help me. Or I got to go out and I got to help this person, that person, this person, that person. Then I know God's going to help me even better. Well, that's works. That's works. That's works. How many times have my failures gotten in the way of my faith? Because I'm looking at my works rather than the finished work on the cross. If God just helps us grasp this concept, in my life I'm going to rest in God and what he has done. Not what he's doing, but what he has done. And then when he blesses us, well, how am I going to respond? I'm going to respond by praising him and giving him glory. I'm going to respond by saying thank you, Lord, and telling people how he has blessed me and giving him all glory and praise, certainly not taking anything for myself, certainly not gleaning from me, oh, look what I did, because I read seven verses today or seven chapters today, look how he blessed me. No. He blessed me because he's God and I'm not. He blessed me because he loves me. I mean, read Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 3. We have every blessing, every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Everything has been given to us in Jesus Christ. The spiritual blessings, it says in Ephesians 1 verse 3. I want to praise him and tell him how much I love him and tell him how good he is to me and how marvelous he is and how wonderful he is and how he continues to bless me. And I love the fact that he blesses me and I want to bless other people because he's blessing me. And I'm going to share his love, not because I have to or I have to be wanting. To, I wanted to do it for them to not even know God like I know God. I don't do it out of anything but love. And I pray that God would help us to believe his word and that we trust in his word and believe in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, he'd become our high priest and he's made a way for us to boldly and come to the throne of grace. And when we come to the throne of grace, we receive his mercy and we receive grace in our time of need because his grace is sufficient for everything that we need. His mercy and goodness endures forever. And we are so thankful to Jesus Christ, our Lord, for that privilege of, of being his child, of him saving us and being our, our savior. He's our high priest and the work was finished. I'm saved because I believe in Jesus as my Savior. And because I'm saved, I surrendered my life to him. And he is my Lord. That I might obey him and do whatever he has asked me to do. And again, 
When I do these things that he's asked me to do, I don't look for the blessing. I just look for the joy of serving him. Because I can't believe he's wanting me to serve him. He's allowing me to serve him. And I might be a serving and pleasing to him. Wow. I love him because he first loved me and he demonstrated that love by dying on a cross. I love what Guzik said about this verse. He said, we should ask how many blessings, how many victories, how many souls saved for Jesus' glory lie unclaimed in heaven until the Lord can say, because you have prayed for me or to me. Hezekiah went to the Lord in faith and he asked in faith and God answered. And before we move on, one more thing I want to go to is I want to go to James 4 where he says, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Hezekiah went to the Lord and asked from his heart, He petitioned the Lord out of faith, believing that the Lord could do something. He asked rightly that, Lord, you're the God of the universe. You're the king. You're the one that we serve. You're the one for your sake. Look at the words. You, O God, incline your ear, O Lord. Here, open your eyes. Look what's happening to us, Lord. You see it. Can we say, Lord, you created everything. You allowed everything to be created. And you see this, Lord, help us in our time of need. Help us, oh Lord. Help us to know what to do, how to act, what to do. Hezekiah knew that. Hezekiah knew that. He knew that he could go to the Lord and he could petition the Lord. And then the Lord answered him. How marvelous is that? How marvelous is that? And I know, I know for a fact, you've asked the Lord for certain things and he's answered you. Give him glory and praise. Give him All that's do his name. So as we come to verse 21, the Lord now is going to show Hezekiah and he's going to speak to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah concerning the situation that Hezekiah had put in front of him. Let's look at verse 21. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. Him is Shennacherib. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, left you to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, left you to scorn. And the Assyrians have come to ravish the daughter of Zion, which is the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem becomes the daughter of Zion, and God says, no, you're not going to touch my daughter. Jerusalem is called a virgin because she was unpolluted. They didn't have the gross thing of idolatry were pagans. And God was going to defend her from the intended Sennacherib and the Assyrians who would come in. And as most of the things that they did, they went in and they abused the women. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. 
Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 2 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're not already connected to a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly, Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We'd be happy to get to know you and hear about your story. Find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we'd love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. As this edition comes to a close, we want you to know we're grateful you're a part of our listening audience. Make sure to join us again next time for more from 2 Kings, where Pastor Dave will pick up where he left off. We look forward to that time with you again as you continue to learn and grow here on A Sure Hope.